relax. Those beats mean you're now listening to the very real people and places that supply your high. This is Grown Local with Billy Wayne Davis and Mike McGowan. How I want to start this off is um, my buddy here, uh, Pat Duff, as a young child, he was the first dude I ever saw around adults with a t-shirt that had pot on it. So like that was a big moment for me. He used to come around, he's friends with my cousin, and uh, he used to come around and he had a Bob Marley t-shirt where Bob Marley's head was just pot leaves. It was like a silhouette and it was just pot leaves. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, he's going to do that around the adults? What? They're going to know. They're going to know something's up. And then Pat would just, you know, hang out with my family, just have deep, sometimes argumentative conversations about cannabis and other things like that. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's just going for it. So, you know, Pat's always been somebody, at least in my life, who's been on the forefront of cannabis and some of that stuff, even the stories of uh, lighting up joints and doing a protest at the Liberty Bell. Yeah, man, we can go into that if you'd like. Yeah, what was that? I just remember that as a story as a kid. Seems so, like a good place to do it, though. <laughs> so, 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 um, basically, what happened was, um, I'll give you a quick kind of kind of synopsis of how we got to that point because because starting at the Liberty Bells kind of uh, doesn't give it the justice it deserves. Uh, give it all the justice. Do all so the. What happened is I used to do radio shows like you guys do podcasts now, right? But I, but I would buy radio time on local stations in the New Jersey and Philadelphia area. So I would literally I would grow pot, sell pot, and I would use that money to buy time on local stations to try to do legalization shows. And um, so I, I took out time on a, a station. It was 15 w, 1540 WNWR in Philadelphia, 50,000 watts. I mean, it was like a big station, you know, like goes out all across Philadelphia. What, and, what uh, year, what year time period is this? 2002. So in 2002, so I, t- I, 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 I took, uh, did like 10 shows on and and they were hour-long shows and they were going across all philadelphia and then we we got canceled due to due to me kind of having some sparring with the uh management when they told me what i can and can't say i thought you were paying for time yeah i was paying for time but they were going to get sued i can i'll go into that but that's that's neither that's not the pot part that's that's (laughs) oh okay okay i see it okay i'm a controversial character okay Okay. Just a little uh, bit. Okay. So what happened though is during that show, I had some really interesting characters on my show. Uh, Jack Herrer, um, who yeah. the Emperor of Hemp, um, and it's not Jack Herrera; it's Herrer. It rhymes with terror. terror. Yeah. I know him. I lived with him. He's my good friend. He's dead, but he's uh, he's a legend. So um, had Jack Herrer. I got a Mark Emery on, who was the Prince of Pot from uh, Canada. Yeah. I had, uh, I've smoked at his place in Vancouver. It's great. Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, which is like called LEAP. And they were one of the first groups that was uh, cops that said uh, we should legalize drugs to make the, the country safer place. 
a guy named Howard, Howard Woolridge, who drove who rode his horse across the country with a shirt that said, cops say legalize drugs, ask me why. <laughs> and then That's I awesome. had some other, you know, other interesting characters. And one of the most interesting characters is a person I've, I've been friends with for a long time. His name's New Jersey Weed Man or Ed Fortune. And Ed Fortune announced on my radio show that he was going to celebrate the end of his probation um, or parole, actually. He was on parole by going to the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia and smoking marijuana and getting arrested on purpose. <laughs> and I said, what the hell are you talking about? You know, like, how's that celebrating your, you know, your end of your probation or parole? And he said, well, actually, it's legal in a federal setting as long as you're doing it in a religious ceremony. And uh, under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, he showed me all the laws. I'm like, this guy's kind of nuts. But then I went home and I read the laws and I, I figured out that he was actually right. Um, it was a very broad uh, brush they painted this with. So if, if we wanted to drive a truck through, we can get the truck through is what I thought, you know. Um, but I didn't. But I didn't think about doing it with him at that time. Um, I was just going to support him. So I, I was an avid caller of talk radio. And there's a black radio station in Philadelphia that's still here today. And it's 900 WURD. And I called in and I said, hey, I wanted to uh, announce, you know, on my radio show, I, I had a couple guests on. One of them was a guy named Ed Fortune. He's going to be going down to the Liberty Bell and getting arrested uh, on purpose smoking marijuana to challenge the federal laws on marijuana. And, um, you know, I hang up the phone thinking I did this great thing. I'll get him a little publicity. And the next caller was a guy they called Angry Fred. And he was a black guy who did not like white callers calling and was very, uh, he was a separatist, black separatist. And um, I got to tell you, one of the, it's probably one of those times in my life that I can say that was that changed everything that I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now. Um, Fred said it was Dr. Reggie Bryant, who's the host. And uh, Dr. Bryant said, yeah, hello, uh, Fred. You know, can I help you? Know? He said, yeah, I, I got to tell you, I, I got a problem with Patrick calling up the, a black radio station announcing that a black man is going to get arrested for Liberty Bell. And, 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 and treating it like it's some sort of sideshow. You know, here's this man who's going to be putting his, his life and liberty on the line to, to prove that this law and the, 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 the cannabis laws are, are you know, uh, whatever he's trying to prove. But I can tell you this, if Patrick Duff wants, or Patrick wants to prove something, why doesn't Patrick go down and get arrested next to Ed and see if Patrick gets treated the same way as Ed does. And that. My man makes a solid point. <laughs> it changed my life. I swear to God. At, the, I, I, at that moment, you know, I knew I had to accept the challenge. Um, and I really thought what he said was so fucking brilliant. Uh, <laughs> And it really did challenge that little dick bag inside of me uh, that that I was at that point in my life. I mean, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I just you know, we we are different as we grow, and um, 
So what happened is I, you know, at that point I, I called Ed, I said, Hey man, I'm going to come down and get arrested next to you. He's like, really? You know? So we, we made a plan to, he would be very cordial with the police and I would be a dick. <laughs> so that's, so that's, a, that's a smart plan. <laughs> yeah, well, so not only knowing history, we, not only would we doing, be doing the same thing at the same exact time, which is smoking a joint at the Liberty Bell, but we would be doing it uh, together and getting arrested together and to see what the treatment is of the two different people, two different individuals getting arrested, right? Mm-hmm. And if I'm acting like a dick and he's acting cool, well, you'd think maybe the attitude would, would, would create the different uh, uh, disparity to, to come towards me. We didn't want to like like we wanted to create some sort of unevenness, you know, to try to at least get the white person. Um, I don't know how you could say, but 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 a different treatment than 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 Ed would get, right? Um, maybe a harsher treatment is what we were really looking for. I had the joint in my hand. What happened is we light the joint. Uh, I, I actually Ed lit the joint. I was growing it in my basement. Uh, it was wonderful. It was called Nebula. Hmm. And um, and he lit the joint. As he's smoking the joint, we're like 25 people surrounding us. Uh, they're all standing around us. There's signs. We had signs saying, like, protest the war in Iraq and the war on drugs. It was a dual protest. We're praying for the end of the war in Iraq and praying for uh, end of the war on drugs. December 20th of 2003. So you're talking about, you know, well before, you know, 19 years ago, right? So... The joints lit up, smoke is going everywhere. You can see people were nervous. They're kind of milling around a little bit, but the police are just standing on the perimeter, just looking at us and they're not doing nothing. And we had a bullhorn. So I said, Ed, give me the bullhorn. So I took the bullhorn <laughs> and I had the joint. And I said, um, if anybody would like a toke of this fine joint, of this natural substance that God made for us, please enjoy and if anybody's arrested my lawyer here will represent you for free and then <laughs> i look around and nobody's looking for the joint <laughs> so i puff up the joint and all these cops like 20 cops just start swarming in on us and um they separate us me and ed and a couple cops are around me a couple cops are around red 20 they were like 20. Uh, I would say I, I would say somewhere at least 15 cops. And it was it was it was park rangers, uh, federal uh, park rangers, because we we're at the Liberty Bell. Um, right. yeah, no, there was there was a there was a, a massive force of, of park rangers out for these two people who it was in a newspaper, by the way, that we're going to be there smoking pot. It wasn't like, you know, uh, it wasn't a surprise to them. Yeah. And, and we did it at 420 p.m. At 420, we lit up. And um, so all of a sudden they come in, they separate us. I had the joint in my hand and the cop grabs, says, says, can I have that? I said, yeah. So when I'm, I'm giving it to him, man, he knew exactly how to grab that joint. I can tell you that. He'd done that <laughs> before. Um, so, um, but what happened is when he separated us, um, you know, the cop says, do you mind if I search you? I said, absolutely. Yes, I mind. I was indignant when I said it. I, I was picking grass up off the ground, throwing it in the air, you know, like, saying this is a natural substance he's like do you have any more of that on you i said more of what he said more of the uh, marijuana i said more marijuana i said i said uh no he said no any more drugs on you 
I said, marijuana is not a drug. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, do you have any more of that on you? I said, no. Uh, and um, he said, do you mind if I search you? I said, yes, I mind. And he said, oh, okay. And he didn't touch me. Ed, at the same time, right? I had the joint in my hand. Remember, he didn't have the joint in his hand. So he had no pot on him. They had no reason to actually search him. We were in the newspaper. And Ed is over on the other side, a black man. And uh, they say to him, hey, you know, uh, do you mind if we search you? He says, yes, I mind. Exactly the same thing we both said, right? They said to him, well, in that, you do not have a choice. And they forced <laughs> him to go through a full search where they searched him. The top to bottom, he had a triple fat goose on. That was these big fat coats that would be like puffy, you know, and the cops like searching him. Listen, it was in a newspaper. So they knew we didn't have no freaking weapons on us, right? Like we were in the newspaper, but they're patting the guy down for weapons. So he says, well, do you want me to take my jacket off as they're searching him? The cop says, yes, it is 20 degrees out. I'm telling you, it was so cold. If you spit, it would freeze. And uh, <laughs> at, at, at the cop says, uh, yeah, take your jacket off. He takes his jacket off. Ed says, you want to take my sweatshirt off too? The cop says, yeah, well, Ed was planning on this. And under his sweatshirt, as he took it off, and you can find this somewhere online, I'm sure, Ed had a giant T-shirt with a giant middle finger. It was a giant middle finger on his T-shirt that just was like this in the cop's face, you know? <laughs> and then Ed takes his two fingers and says, this is me voicing displeasure in government policies. I'm being strip searched in public because I smoke marijuana. And the cop says... If you keep doing that, you're going to get a disorderly person. And Ed turned right around in his face and says, this is protected by free speech. <laughs> and the cop says that is not protected by free speech. And our attorney was standing right there. His name is Michael Cord. They call him uh, Michael X or the angriest black man in America. And Michael Cord says the cop says, no, I'm sorry, officer. Fuck you is constitutionally protected. <laughs> the brother can give you the finger and tell you fuck you whenever he would like. And the cop had to just sit there and take it. So <clears throat> we went back like seven times, got arrested about seven times at the Liberty Bell. <clears throat> they refused to take us to court until we kept going back. We went to trial. We lost at trial. We actually lost. Ed got twice the sentence than I did. By the way, the first three times we did it, he got a full search. I never got touched. They never touched me. They searched him inside and out. He this got, is this is the this is Park Rangers. Yeah, yeah. The Park. This Rangers. isn't the Philadelphia Police Department. Which, the Saint Hardcore <laughs> Hard Cops. No, no. This is like this is this is this is Popo Light. All right. But listen, me and Ed also have been raided by the DEA. So I'll get into that in a bit. But I can tell you. Um, you start off and you just work your way up, I guess. Yeah. We're Park Rangers. And then you go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. They ain't nothing. None of them are nothing. They're all the same shit. Um, so what happened was we lost and they gave Ed twice the sentences I did. I swear to God, they, they gave us two suspended sentences. They said, if we get in. They, one of the conditions, we were never allowed to back at the Liberty Bell. <laughs> the Constitution was signed. We were never allowed back? What kind of shit is that? Like, 
Quite Man, when your son goes on a field school trip, that's going to be awkward. <laughs> right? Like my daddy was was banned from here one day. My dad was banned from the Liberty Bell. Yeah, for freedom, though. I was banned for freedom. So, is... so what happened? So check this out. So you know, we get convicted. You know, and uh, bro, this is a federal trial. So we get on federal probation. I swear to God, when I went in for my first federal probation uh, like meeting, the fucking dude across from me, like you're in the waiting room with these people, was a murderer. A murderer. <laughs> There's a rapist, a kidnapper. I'm like, what'd you do? I smoked a joint. Like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it was fucking crazy. The federal probation officer, her name was Debbie Ryerson. I'll never forget this lady. I went in, I said to her, I sat down, she said, listen, how the hell did you get here? I have never in my career had somebody here for simple possession of marijuana. I said, well, we're starting off on a good fucking foot then, because then you understand that I'm a political prisoner. This is all about a political prisoner. Um, and I, I am a legalization activist. Um, oh, let me just send a message. And uh, I had, um, so we're sitting there and I tell her that, listen, and this is the truth. Like I'm at, and now that we're in this point, I know that's probably going to be the truth, but I said, Mrs. Ryerson, you can either be the good guy or the bad guy in this. It's going to be a movie one day. Um, and you have to understand that I was just sitting out there in the lobby and I know your next client raped three women. <laughs> like we had a conversation about it, you know, like <laughs> it's not a good person. And I am. And, uh, and hopefully he can do better in his life. Um, but when I take a piss test, I can guarantee you it's going to be as hot as a chili. So, um, I'm not going to stop smoking pot. Uh, if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, uh, put me in jail for smoking pot, that's up to you. Um, but I'm not stopping and, uh, I'm going to take piss tests and, and not stop. And no, I swear to God, the man who came in to take my piss test was, was another agent, you know, like another probation officer because she couldn't do it. And federal probation, they have a mirror and they make they watch, you know, they watch as you do it. And I just told the guy, I said, listen, take no offense, but uh, I'm not a homosexual. And uh, if you look at me at that mirror, then you are a homosexual while I'm doing this. And we're going to have a problem um, because uh, I'm being forced into a homosexual act uh, to, to, to do whatever you're thinking I'm doing. Listen, the piss will be hot, I said. <laughs> so you don't have to wonder if it's going to be or if I'm faking it. It's going to be hot. So, uh, you know, it don't matter. And this guy came back and I lit him up. You know, I really did. I lit him like a Christmas tree. And as he comes back, he says, my probation officer, I will never take your client for another piss test again. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened is um, we appealed. We appealed and actually we won a stay of sentence. The judge stayed our sentences, made it so he threw the sentences out. And he, he remanded the case back to the magistrate judge. And when he did that, I was so sick of the, the area around here. I took off to California. Um, one of your Thomas's good friends and my good friends, I went out to go see, you know, Stephen. Mm -hmm. So I went to go to see Stephen and Rachel was out there. And Stephen, by the way, is a world class graffiti artist. He's been featured yes. in a bunch of books. Dub. He's a really dub. He's a really amazing Bay Area graffiti artist. Cool. 
Yeah, he's a, he's a he, and and he's he's Thomas's good friend, my good friend growing up, and um, we had a lot of connections. But I came out there with my dog. To were you on probation? I I technically was on federal probation. Okay. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> I technically was. Just as your lawyer, I'm just I was just curious. You know. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay because we're past statute of limitations now. Yeah. Uh, we'll just wait. I'm not waiting for I'm the not, rest of the listen, story. I've known so. you for a good 20 minutes, and I'm not worried about what happens to you because I just feel like you're gonna, you'll be okay. I'm all right. Trust me. I I, I trust you in this all so, way. I really do. So check this out. So I I, I move out to Cal. I swear to God, I move out to California. I had 200 dollars in my fucking pocket, uh, and my dog. Um, I was, I was, you know, I was just fucking kicking it, man. I just fucking got arrested at Liberty Bell. Like, I was a madman. Like, I show up in California. I go up to the top of this hill. We start trimming pot. And my dog and the guy's dog, Bon, Bon, who is Rachel's ex, Brian, um, they got into a, a little tiff. And he was like, yo, you can't stay here. And I'm like, wait, I just drove from Philadelphia. To California. Like, what do you mean I can't stay here? This was Mendocino County. If you don't know Mendocino County. I was going to ask, when you said I was up on a hill, I was like, I wonder if it's Humboldt or Mendo. Which, which, by the way, when he talks about the dog getting into a tip, this same dog twice had popped the tires on my truck because it was an Italian Mastiff dog, had a huge fucking head, was like 250 pounds. So I like that you categorize that as a tiff. Yeah, well, that's my not dog, a dog. That's not a dog. Pounds. That's not so a dog. my dog was 200 pounds too. And uh, it, was, <laughs> it was a, not a tiff, yeah. It was, it would look like two lions screaming at each other. So um, cool. they told me I couldn't stay on the hill. And here I am. I had come out to California. I had nowhere to stay. And I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. So I went to the bottom of the hill. I got a motel. Awesome. Can I just, I just want to, for our listeners, and <clears throat> a lot of them are very familiar because we, we spent time in Humboldt County and we're going back up there in November. We'll see you guys then. But to be, to just go from east to the west coast, like you're not stopping in San Francisco and like 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 or you're like in LA or like you're going from Philly to out to like the woods and then thinking like okay I do have a job which is like whatever but then once you you can't Sorry, you guys. I know it's just such a funny thing to me as a traveler. And like, I love this stuff, but like, like you guys can't, I don't think fathom the culture shock. Just if things were going well. Yeah. <laughs> mentally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's the point I'm trying to make. Like where you're at, where you're at in this story. I just want to stop like, you know, like a, a narrator in a movie where like, hold the fuck up y'all just, <laughs> Yeah, he said he said something casually that's insane. <laughs> so, and we have to. I have to do this. Is kind of my role sometimes on this podcast because we have we have some dudes like we've interviewed some some people like you where they do say some casual stuff, and if you're paying attention, you're like that's not a casual thing where you're up oh. on 
because it's not easy to get on the mountain and then to get kicked off is like a, like then you still gotta get off the mountain. I wasn't kicked so off the mountain. It just told me my dog couldn't stay. Well, <laughs> that's uh, that's getting kicked off the mountain. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. For me, yeah, because I'm not gonna let my dog go. I think most people. I don't. Some I people think would, that's a people like your dog should go. Let their girlfriend ah, go stay on the mountain. That's. I think that's a smarter you move. You can stay, but she's got to go. You know, has been said you a lot. I'm kidding. I ain't kidding. No, we know you're not kidding. Well, and mostly, it's not. It's the other way. It's like yo, your the dude friend can't stay because the because the dude who owns the property is trying to bang the girl that just moved up there from fucking Iowa. <sighs> More babies are born in gross season in Humboldt and Mendocino County than any other season trust me <laughs> trimming season i mean like october mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, we'll be up there in november just like behind your head mike just now like that's how the babies be banged out right then <laughs> <laughs> pat used to do stand-up too but no we're not going to just you know mess up this we can bring him back for another episode it sounds like we need like nine they call them scissor sisters I know, I know what. Yes, I talked about that the other day. Like I was talking about that on another thing. So, so you're right. So here I am. Yo, I ain't kidding, right? So I drove into Laytonville at night. Ah, that's spooky. That's spooky, and I know what it is. Because when you wake up, you're in the middle of the redwoods. You're like, holy shit! Like, spooky. I've never seen nothing like this. You know what I mean? Like, and people in town don't talk to strangers. You know, like it's it's a very interesting place to say the least so yes. i wake up that's you know, a very nice way to put it. i know i'm not uh gonna go cruising up to the top of the mountain and i know i don't have a, i don't have enough money to even make it at home but i ain't gonna call my mom and dad you know like i'm gonna call anybody and ask for help that i don't know that's gonna be like yo why are you in california with 200 dollars? you fucking idiot you know how so, old are you how what show. age are you 28. Cool. So for sure should have known better. I love it. Awesome. <laughs> That's fucked up to say that. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I'm a right, professional though. comedian, my mother, <laughs> So I, there exactly. are, there are, my whole 30s are like people that like me getting my life together. Like you still should have. I'm like, totally. You're totally right. <laughs> yeah. You're right there. You're right. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> So imagine this. So remember on the radio show I told you about, uh, one of the guests I had on was Jack Harrow. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. he was the only person I knew in California. And he, I thought he lived in Los Angeles because that's where he was. I mean, that's where he made his legacy. So I picked up the phone and I had met, met him in New York, too, at the High Times office. He brought me up there and at the High Times office. We hung out. He was so surprised when he had met me at the High Times office that I was young because he thought I was like this older person because in the legalization movement, there wasn't a lot of young people, you know? And um, so I pick up the phone and, uh, and I, I ring, I'm at a hotel right on uh, Highway 101 in Laytonville. There's only two motels. Mm-hmm. Um, so there I'm might a- not be, there might not be three to this day. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a, there was a pay phone, you know? So I pick it up, <clears throat> I ring and I called Jack Harris. And uh, and I said, brother, it's Patrick from the Open Minds radio show. Patrick, oh, my God. And he was writing a book 
on mushrooms, on, on these, on mushrooms, it was like a, a story about how Jesus was a mushroom. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And he had, had offered, he wanted me to help him do it anyway. Um, but, you know, I was in New Jersey or Philadelphia at the time, so how could I do that? But when I was in New York, we talked about it. Um, he had this co-author, the co-author stopped helping him. So I called him, I said, Jack, I'm in California. Oh my God, that's amazing. I said, uh, but I have a problem. I am in Mendocino County and it's me and my dog and uh, I got nowhere to go, bro. And he says, I am 20 minutes away in Lake County. I want you to come to my house. You can live with me. You can stay with me as long as you need. And um, I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, dude, I got a 200 pound dog. He says, we love dogs. <laughs> um, so I brought me and my dog Debo to Jack Harrer's house. And we lived, I lived at Jack Harrer for several months uh, where, you know, we became good friends and uh, traveled around the country together. Uh, I left a dog at the house with his wife. And we went around and saw dispensaries all around California. And that changed my life. That was a life-changing experience. And uh, we went to San Francisco and we saw these dispensaries where it was, we're 2004 now, right? 2004. And I tell you, I mean, I mean, people in wheelchairs sitting and people holding bowls for them and lighting them. And um, I mean, people like just that the compassion was overflowing and it was, it was incredible to see, you know, like I literally said to Jack, that's it, man. Like, this is, this is what I imagined. You know, I, I think that this needs to be everywhere like this, you know, and we kind of laughed about it. And then we traveled through California to Sacramento. We went to Fresno. We picked up Eddie Gordon, who was a harmonica player, one of the best harmonica players in the world. Uh, did all kinds of cool tunes like uh, Sesame Street, wah, 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 like all those. <laughs> anything you hear with a harmonica in the 70s and 80s was Eddie G Gordon. We picked up George Clayton Johnson. George Clayton Johnson was like 70 plus years old. Here I'm, Jack, by the way, had, had a stroke years before. So I was taking care of him on this drive, and I'm driving with three 70 plus year old men who are all infamous in their own right. George Clayton Johnson wrote several Twilight Zones, wrote Logan's Run, wrote um, the first Star Trek with George Roddenberry. I mean, we're talking about somebody who's just mystic, you know? So here I am traveling around the state with them. And, and when we reached Los Angeles, we went to a, a dispensary that was just scary. I mean, to be honest with you, everybody had a gun. I mean, it was just the opposite of what was happening in San Francisco. And the they had a hundred dollar eighths of marijuana. And I was, I was, I was appalled. I said, well, how do people afford this? You know, like, and they could, could care less. George Clayton Johnson, who looked like the guy from Kung Fu, long white beard, long white hair, was sitting in the corner, like meditating. Um, like he didn't want to see nobody in his place. You know what I mean? Like, and this dude from the dispensary, like thought he was cool. He was going to walk up and like kind of sneak up on him and like, silently like go near him you know he was like five feet from him george didn't open his eyes just sat there he says i can see you <laughs> the, whole, the whole room shit themselves and i'll tell you it was at that moment mike it was at that moment i decided i was going to come back to los angeles and try to open up a dispensary and change that fucking shit in los angeles 
um, it was disgusting to me, $100 for an eighth and how they were treating people, everybody with a gun. Like, it was weird. It was so, a couple months uh, went by. I actually opened a dispensary in Ukiah, California with uh, a friend of Jack's and a friend of mine at that time, Diane <clears throat> Reverend Les Crane. We opened up, it was called a Hemp Plus Ministry in Ukiah. The town didn't let us open, we opened. <laughs> uh, they said we were not allowed to open we opened um sadly les was murdered les was murdered the police never truly investigated les's death a couple weeks before his murder actually about a month before his murder i left and and went and opened a dispensary in los angeles i was in town two days before les's murder and uh and they still they never even questioned me you know, Weird. Uh, yeah. So, um, so what happened is I went to Los Angeles, opened my first dispensary and I did nothing over, uh, 65 and eight at first because the cost on a pound of good OG cushion in Los Angeles was over five grand a pound. So, Oh, this is okay. I was curious about the cost there, but I was like, duh, this is not when it was like, you could just, nope. okay, I was like, so sorry. Right, so like 2004, five, six, you yeah. couldn't get OG for less than $4,800 a pound, sometimes 56. Um, it was, it was the, 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 and, and the hoarding of the really good strain was, was massive. No. Uh, one of the reasons I believe less who operated dispensaries in Northern California had an issue which he got murdered, not just an issue, was that there was a hoarding of purple strains in Northern California. And Les had a dispensary in Laytonville where he was giving out purple strains to people from Southern California and, and Central California, which, 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 which dropped the market on the purple strains that were only coming out of Humboldt and Mendo. All those Jaegers and all the fun purple stuff back in the day, day yeah. Mendo, yeah, purple uh, Nepal, purple mm -hmm. Nepal, I love, you know, like purple Urkel, Brandon mm -hmm. Purps. So there, these are all like the the. Sorry, the, just the true crime guy in me. Um, real quick, <laughs> uh, I, do you think that that has something to do with? His murder that like yes. he was given like clones yeah. is what you mean. I think, I think it, he was very vocal. Um, he he came to California. He was a t-shirt uh, tie-dye t-shirt salesman that turned out to be a guy that owned several dispensaries and uh, opened a youth center in Laytonville for the kids. And in, in Laytonville uh, gave uh, seven thousand dollars to the uh, food banks the day before he was uh, murdered. So they everybody would have turkeys and and, and uh, for Thanksgiving. I mean, this is a guy that went from rags to riches, but in doing so, did piss a lot of people off who were not so outspoken in the area. I mean, we opened a dispensary in Ukiah and we took a full page ad out in the Ukiah Daily Journal where we printed the Declaration of Independence. We actually printed a new. <laughs> So, and listen, so, I mean, he really, I mean, he put himself out there and uh, I put a reward out for his killer. You know, I, I searched for the fucking guy's killer. Like, I don't really like to talk about that, but uh, 
but it's fucking it's it's fucking sad like you know they they, they yeah. never really there's so many people that have been murdered in mendocino and humboldt county that have not been properly investigated uh it's probably the only place i can think of except for inner cities that has any type of culture like that um you know and when i say inner city we're talking about inner cities that have 500 plus murders there there nobody wants to talk to the police i mean same environment up there people will not talk to the police um but so it is hard. a dark it is a dark part of the especially the transition from from that during that time that that is it's very hard to get people to talk about um that i think needs like i like i appreciate you saying it and talking about it because it is a like when we go up there it is a part that is like and right. I understand why they don't want to talk about it because it is like, hey, PTSD. I mean, you're the, the PTSD people have suffered from not being able to talk about their friends being murdered. Yeah, not properly investigating and knowing that the police are probably involved. I mean, that's scary, man. Like, so you don't want to stay there. You know, like I can't go there. It's too uh, much. And especially when it's somebody like that who has done so much for the culture and for other people, you know. Yeah, let my dog out for one second. Go for it. I don't know if you should let a giant dog out like that. <laughs> no, this is his little buddy now. No, I'm just kidding. I just like <laughs> You were doing a comedy thing. You were doing a stand-up thing. About... <laughs> well, I was doing a joke. It's okay. a ancient joke thing. Um, no, it's a little puppy dog. Um, but no, yeah, these these things need to be talked about. These things need to be yes, spoken so that people know what people have put on the line, especially for this plant and for this culture. You know, and why they get weird when they're asked about it and how they're protective. Like it makes sense. Like, and it's something you don't truly understand because it's very beautiful. But there is like a there. I think for a time, I don't think it's as bad as it was. I think, and they all kind of, when we were up there, especially in Southern Humboldt, they would, they would kind of, it was the green rush time was when it, you could tell that's when all the really, they were even kind of open about that's when it got dark. Cause they were just right, like, there were right. a lot of players and stuff like, you know, so I, that's when I was like, but you know, you could also tell, like, that's what we're going to say about that. Right? <laughs> I understand and appreciate that. I'm a hillbilly, so I understand there is like a, yeah, we can talk about it until then we don't want to anymore. And you're like, I respect that tremendously. <laughs> and that's all that needs to be about it. But uh, yeah, I, I will mean... also go veer back into $65 and eight back then. And that's what I just saw in the store two days ago. <laughs> well and i mean and so that shit ain't 5200 a pound <laughs> well so i mean back in those days you know thomas was just so proud of you talking about you being on the front lines in la and how much you were doing for everything you know and the, to me that was always really cool it was, it was just like our boys down there doing it to it type of thing so 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 in that so what happened was so, you know, I opened, I opened a, pl a place in Woodland Hills, which is like the outskirts, right next to Calabasas. Calabasas is really where all their, the actors and shit live, like Will Smith. They all live in like Hidden Hills. It's right there. I didn't know it. I yeah. just knew that there was no businesses in this little section of L.A. 
and it was kind of a dead zone. And I'm like, well, I always, I always think in the sense of if I'm going to open a business that I think can attract something, um, number one, if I go to an area that's really already attracting shit and it's a dispensary that nobody wants, they're not going to say yes. I was the number, I think I was number 12 in the city of Los Angeles. So, um, um, what do you call it? Uh, can you guys talk amongst yourself for a second? Let me, let me just fucking go to this thing real quick. Talk amongst yourself. He's doing stuff. He's got a lot of things. He's got it. He's good. He's trying to sneak in and steal the Liberty Bell at this point. (laughs) He's not allowed back. They know him. But, I mean, honestly, I that's what it is. You get. I would. I mean, it sounds like a fun heist where, like, at the end, we're just like, "Hey, we stole it." It's funny because remember the wee guy. Remember? What, what are we gonna do with this bell? It's, it's almost it's, a little bit too big for my house. Honestly, it sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> If we could just stop at, like, it's we're like it right at 45, which is a good first episode. And- <laughs>